Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. <laughs> I am your resident Latin lover, and bad. Joseito. You're racist. <laughs> I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Zetherlin. All right, how you doing, man? Good. All right. This is our How to Be a Latin Lover or um, Impressionist uh, episode. Latin. <laughs> Latin Lover. Talk about that fine film. We're also going to talk about our flicks of the week. Mine is The Midnight Meat Train. Fargo. Fargo, even though you haven't seen last night's episode. So what? (laughs) All right. Um, And that, and uh, I think maybe we'll even talk about the Dark Tower trailer. Maybe. Maybe. Sort of. All right. All that and more on a couple of average jokes. Take it away. (laughs) <laughs> You're supposed to say like Juanito. Yeah, I was gonna say Juan or <laughs> Benito or whatever. Juani, <laughs> Benicio, take it away, Benicio. All right. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, how you doing? 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 All right, so uh, during a week of uh, of shitty uh, releases, uh, we decided that we didn't want to see the Tom Hanks, um, Steve Jobs wannabe movie, which is not doing well. Yeah, and uh, and then what was else? There was the the Chronicle ripoff movie with the with those, the, the black kid that had the, the slight the tele yeah the teleconnect powers or something like that. Yeah, I just I didn't we didn't care for any of that, so we went and saw how to how to be a Latin lover. Right. Um, this movie is, in a way, it's surprising to me. Like, I you, you don't normally see um, a movie with this many uh, cameos or small roles by you know well-known actors, and the headliner is is a, you know a, for lack of a better term a foreigner, and uh, yeah, he's big in oh he's fucking South huge America yeah. And- in wherever else. Yeah, Eugenio uh, Derbez, man. I, I looked him up, man. That guy's been around for a long time. It's just like, I feel like kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, like, like. Well, your focus is American mainstream film. Yeah. And not it, it's just that when this guy. Foreign films. Yeah, comes out of nowhere. And, or foreign mainstream films. And I, I could tell by just seeing him in this, this 115 minutes of film, this guy is really good at what he does. You know, he's got on screen charisma. He's got good comedic timing, you know. He he just he's 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 good. I can't believe I've seen I haven't seen him sooner. You, you know, know what surprises me? What I'm surprised that Eric Estrada didn't make a cameo in this movie. Really? He's huge in South America. Oh well. And and the Spanish, anything south of California. Yeah. Eric Estrada is like huge. <laughs> like like massive. He, he does. So he's on a soap opera. He does all sorts of shit. I didn't think that Chips was paying for his hair plugs. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So all right. 
in, in keeping his uh, hair or, or like uh, how Hasselhoff is huge in Germany and mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I you know what that would be cool uh, just to uh, look up foreigner or you know our stars over here they're doing like foreign commercials and stuff. You know like uh, Schwarzenegger, like uh, Bill Murray when he was in uh, Lost in Translation, how he was playing an actor who was doing ads over there in Japan or wherever. Uh, a lot of cool. a lot of Americans, a lot of American actors do uh, ads in Japan. What I would be fascinated to know is how many actors, male and female, have been paid a shit ton of money to do some nasty shit with some princes, some billionaire princes, man. Most of them. Because, you know, I mean, look, everyone's got a selling selling point. Everyone does. And if you got, Where did that come from? I just, I don't know. It just was there. We were talking about foreigners and shit. I, you know. Doing you heard that from my brother. No, I, I didn't. Yeah, I just, you did. No, I didn't. Dude, I, we've talked about this before. I don't remember how long ago it was, but we talked about it. Yeah, you heard it from my brother. <sighs> my brother brought it up. Well, I know it, um, uh, what what made me, what made it pop in my head before a long time ago was when watching that movie called The Dictator with Sasha Baron Cohen, and there's mm-hmm. a scene with Megan Fox, and he paid her to bang, you know? Uh, I was like, holy shit, I bet there's people that really fucking do that. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't know. That would be <laughs> this is one of those those Hollywood hidden diary kind of things, right? Right. Down. It's an interesting it's an interesting uh thing to to think about. Yeah. Or write about or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, back to the states. Uh yeah, this anyway, it to to have a, you know, someone who's a foreigner um headlining a movie that was here, but it Really, it, this is a foreign film as well because if you look at the the, the production companies, it's Three Paws Studios, and it's uh, Pantelion Films, and then Lionsgate's just a distributor. Right. So, um, you know, it just was. I think it was. It what threw me off was that I saw all these these big name stars in it. You know, like uh, Salma Hayek and Rob Lowe and and uh, Kristen Raquel Bell. Welch. Yeah, Rob Riggle. Um, hell, uh, Michael Sarah, Rob mm-hmm. Corddry, mm-hmm. Weird Al Yankovic. All these people in it, um, you know, I was like, okay, this is an American film, but it's not. It just, it looks like it's an American film because it was filmed here and all that shit, but no. Um, but it's great. It's great that it, you know, that it's getting, it's making some money over here. I think so far it's made like, uh, I don't know, between 13 and 15 million over here. Okay. So, um, which is not bad. I mean, I don't know what the budget is on this thing, but still, it, you know, better than, better seeing that than slight. You know, or some other just crappy thing. Now, to be honest, though, my opinion of this movie in and of itself is it's not anything that special if you don't think about the performance of Eugenio uh, Derbez. But, um, uh, you know, the storyline and stuff like that, it's nothing original to it. It's all been done before. It's, it's very cliched, especially the whole, you know, having to live with family and... <laughs> And him, and him bonding with the grandson. Or, I mean, his nephew, right? Right. It, it, I mean, you know where this is gonna go, and you know where it's gonna end up. The good thing, though, I liked about it was it didn't. The character himself never changes throughout the film. He is a he's a lazy, selfish prick, pretty much throughout the whole film. Even though he puts in a a ton of work to get back into bed with a with a rich old lady, right? <clears throat> but but still, he you know when the movie's over. He's still that selfish guy. He, but he now he has a he's he's opened up a little bit of room for family, you know, and now he realizes how important it is. 
So he's been he's been given this nice big slice of humble pie, but he's still true to character, and I, I like that because you know these movies where everyone just completely change make, they make a complete one eighty right, and you know, it just feels fake. Um, what do you mean? Oh, like the Grinch. If you watch Jim Carrey's The Grinch, where you know he and me, I know I know it's based off the cartoon, but where he immediately has a, a complete change of heart or something like that, even though he's still a grumpy fuck to a point. Um, I don't. I just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Just that's a Joe rant. I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, what do you mean is 180 turn and then like like oh you know like oh do you see the light and then he sees the light and then all of a sudden he's he's a completely changed man. He's he's but he's but he's not. That's what I it, well in this movie yeah. Okay. Right. You know, right. I mean, the Grinch. It was like he made almost a complete one eighty. I thought you meant in this movie he did a complete one eighty and changed who he was. But no, no, that's what I. And that's why I appreciated that aspect of the movie is that they didn't force that on you, even though they forced the cliche of the movie on you. I, I wish that there's other directions that I th- uh, um, that this movie could have gone in, but it didn't. Uh, you know, and instead it, it stayed. The movie stays safe throughout the whole time. Um, with with the direction it's going to go, you know that he's going to try this and try that, and it's going to probably fail. But yet by the end, um, you know that everyone's going to be okay. You know, and yeah, you know it's your typical Hollywood ending, which is you know he 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 does all the same shit to push everybody away. Yeah, that he did when he was younger, but he kind of fixes it. Because he's able to date, you know, who the hell was that? <laughs> Linda was, Lavin. That's it, Linda Lavin from Alice, the the TV series. Yeah, I, 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 I looked her up. I I could remember because I, I was like, is that Valerie Harper? Because <laughs> I knew it was somebody from TV. I knew you were gonna bring that up again, so I purposely looked her up um, in detail to make sure that uh, we knew who we were talking about on here. Yeah, but I, I knew it was somebody from TV. Yeah, I just didn't know who the fuck it was. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, Linda Lavin plays this, you know, eccentric <laughs> <laughs> honeypot. Yeah, <laughs> use the rich, word rich old honeypot. And uh, she's dating Rob Lowe, and then she ends up going with the Latin lover dude, right? Yeah, by the end, yeah. And and he he tries to make everything right with his sister by you know hiring her as an architect to yeah. build a house. Yeah, right? convenient, like ties everything up, right? Yeah, and all of a sudden she's, you know. Salma Hayek, who is pissed off at him for basically using her, yeah, is okay with it. Immediately forgives him. Yeah, and I understand. Look, family does that and whatnot. I mean, realistically, you know, if you piss off your family, well, it depends on where you're from. You have to put some work in, but not really. Five minutes later, everything's okay because your family depends on the family. That's what I mean. But <clears throat> yeah, with this movie, it's it's fine. It's, um, you know, he, you could tell that she could tell, she could see that he was, he felt bad about, um, you know, about what happened at the, uh, at the birthday party and all that shit. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was okay. I mean, like he went above and beyond, even though he still did it for his own selfishness, <laughs> you know, like, oh, by the way, I got this chick, but I can do this too. Right. All right. Um, but yeah, I thought that it, certain things were kind of a waste of time. It was like. Oh, because she's an architect. Okay, you set it up from the beginning of the movie, right? Where when she's a little girl and she says, that "I want to, bu- I want to be able to build a big house for all of us to live in," right? Right. And the next thing you know, it comes to thirty-five years later, and she's an architect, but she's a struggling single parent, and 
and what are you going to do right and then right. she keeps and then she has this boss this 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 condescending boss <laughs> who just keeps on talking who, who you cares know. nothing about kids or yeah you can give a shit about anybody anything. and then it's and she's always which just, is which is almost i mean it was funny i liked the i liked it, it like the was that marsha that was a uh, tom cruise's ex-wife wasn't it um no i well i don't know if she was ever married to him um but it was uh i think her name is michaela watkins uh she played gwen gwen was the boss lady oh, okay um yeah i just uh, i see how they set it up so that you could have the ending where you know but it was it was it was all too convenient it was the you know Salma Hayek is like finally she stands up for herself and then right because she she stands up for herself because of the events of her brother treating her this way she's finally fed up with everything right so she stands up to her boss and her boss is like that's what I like now you're gonna go places right or some bullshit and then next thing you know boom then she gets that that deal handed to her right you know and it's like okay I all right I mean this movie's PG-13 and it's got a kid in it you can only do so much with it you can't go to more, I don't know, more uh, darker places, ris- riskier places, you know. Right. So, all right, fine. But you know, the weird part was, I thought that um, until I looked at the rating, I thought that this movie was like a light R rating because the, some of the sexuality of it, mm. or like the part where he's getting his ass waxed or lasered or whatever the fuck that was, bleached. <laughs> I just saw <laughs> fucking lights. Yeah, the fucking look on his face, and he just looks up at the at the nurse and winks at her. Yeah. So. But yeah, um, if this look, if you had had like a a regular actor, like say I don't know Rob Schneider or is the carrot or um, <laughs> or just another basic comedian, you know, starring vehicle in this, it, the movie would have sucked. I mean, it just would have this movie wouldn't have been a six to me. It would have been a fucking two. Um, you know, Derbez is he's what keeps this movie going for the most part. I mean, overall, over anything else. Derbez carries the entire film yeah. on his back. Yeah. And it's great. He's, I mean, the guy. I, even even when they break into going full Spanish, mm-hmm. right? And they're talking to each other. Yeah. I generally get annoyed at having to read. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, because it takes away from the the moment, takes away from the environment. Or when you're into a movie, it, it breaks that. It, it breaks it up for me. You know what? I agree for the most part. It's uh, but it, that didn't. This one didn't bother me too much. Yeah, it was well because it, it kind of it just fit with the characters, you know. Because the more they angry that they got with each other, the more they were talking in Spanish, mm-hmm. and it was yeah, it worked. Um, <laughs> and, but and also another thing that I think you you brought up when we were watching it was, um, no one went over the top. You know, when you see Rob Riggle in a movie like this, you expect him to go way over the fucking top. Oh, he did, but, but he it was it was. Controlled. It was well, but it was a character. Yeah. You know, he generally goes, like, if he's in a Will Ferrell movie or yeah. whatever. Uh, <laughs> Pow! Yeah, he... Well, there was another movie that he was in that he played... What the fuck? He played a straight... Almost a straight man. Yeah. I know, we talked about it. I can't, for the life of me, remember what it was. But it was refreshing. It was refreshing this... Like, oh, it was uh, Let's Be Cops. Okay, you're right. Boom, yeah. Yeah. He was in. He played a cop, and let's be cops, and you know, yeah, to save. And he had to run into a store to save somebody. He was taking one of the guys. Yeah, and it. You know, when he is, when he's not trying, he's good. Yeah, when he's over the top, like when he's on Fox, <laughs> you know, sports and whatever. Yeah, he's extreme, Rob. He's like, 
He's like extreme military fucking Marine Rob. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a caricature yeah. of a character, and it... But even it in gets this, old. But in this movie, he didn't like a lot of times when you what you're talking about is he's always got it at a nine or a ten, right? On the fucking excited level, yeah. In this movie, he was like a seven. Well, yeah, but the guy that he was with, yeah, Rob, was at, Rob Hubble, yeah, was at a nine or a ten, yeah. And every time, <laughs> every fucking time, Riggle would be like, oh, "You got to bring it down, dude." Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. And then, you know, next time, next time we'll put eight hands on your balls. As they're walking away, yeah, that guy had huge balls. There was a lot of genital grabbing in this movie. Yeah, there was. Even the part where the kid puts his accidentally puts his hand on there. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of dick grabbing. Oh god. Uh, yeah, it, it just I, all the character. No one, no one. The only thing that felt a, a little too over the top for me, what I think was like the part where um, where Carol uh, Welch's arms got ripped off. That was yeah. It was it was funny. It, you knew it was coming, right? But it it was still. I, it would have been funnier if one arm popped off. Yeah. And then the other one, the or other she, one like, tried to smack him and it came off or something. Well, I, no, it, it would have been funnier if they're pulling and one arm popped off uh-huh. and then she's just standing there and then the other arm just kind of slithered down the, you know, after it was all done. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just lying there. Yeah. But the, I mean, even Rob Corddry's character, Uh huh. Rob Corddry's always the goofy fuck. Right. He wasn't the goofy fuck in this movie. Yeah. Until the end. Oh, uh, at the end he was. Yeah, where he's kissing on Raquel Welch. Well, he just goes, "Is this gonna? Is this really happening?" Yeah, and, and that was it. I mean, it was still goofy, but it wasn't. He was just like he like in warm bodies. Uh huh. You know, he fucking bitches. Yeah. <laughs> 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 where where he's just this subdued character. He's not the hot tub time machine guy. Yeah, exactly. You know? I wanna fuck something. Right. <laughs> but in the first in the first one in the first hot tub time machine, the character works. Yeah. But in the second one, it's just he takes it up like three notches. Yeah, dude, with the whole Lugal thing with him fucking the, the big old paintings and shit. Yeah. yeah, and then, but in this movie, he's a good character actor. You yeah, know? he is. He, when when he's he's one of those guys that I I, mean, I don't think he gets to the level of say Robin Williams. With no, that, he'll with never acting, be that way. But um, I could totally see him playing a straight man in yeah. a movie. You know, a straight guy. Yeah, I mean, he would he can he can do anything. That's that's the talent of Rob Corddry. Yeah, he can. He, yeah, they, he's got different levels, man. I, it's good. They tend to typecast him. In yeah. this movie, he's not. But it's like tend with to, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. They keep putting him in these fucking cheap ass comedies. Right. And this guy's way better than that shit. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, Hacksaw Ridge, man. He's great in that. Uh, the one with all the kids. Yeah. We had all the kids. Yeah. Yeah. The don the, the the sperm donor or yeah, whatever yeah, it is. <laughs> the delivery guy or something like yeah, that is called. Yeah. Delivery man. Yeah. But um, if you have the appropriate cast set up for movies like this one mm-hmm. and they are doing their thing, like Rob Corddry could have completely gone off gone off uh, script. Yeah. Right? But every time that he was there, he's like, you're not getting, you, you're, you're not getting anywhere near her. You know, here's your clothes. Get the fuck out of here. But it was always straight-faced. <laughs> it was always the demeanor of he's protecting, you yeah. know, Raquel Welch's character and he's taking it seriously, you know? Yeah. This is a serious job. Not Rob Corddry taking it seriously, the character in itself. This is a serious job. This is my job. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And Rob Corddry took that character and made it his own 
but it wasn't with the the cheap fucking slapstick comedy or whatever else. Yeah, it was straight straight laced. Yeah, I think uh, one of the, the only over the top character, but she grounded herself. Um, she kept grounding herself every time she went over the board. Was Kristen Bell's uh, cat lover? Yeah, character. Uh, you know, there's. I mean, you kept every time they show her, she's doing that that over smiling thing, and uh-huh. you know, like kind of like the guy who worked at Tchotchkes from uh, from Office Space. Uh-huh. It's like, hey, you two. Yeah, exactly. Right, and I'm like, God, shut the fuck up. Right? Yeah, the, the annoying coworker that's yeah. always SpongeBobby. Yeah, you know, it looks like someone's got a case of the Mondays. I will punch your fucking neck. <laughs> I believe you can get your ass kicked for saying something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, her Kristen Bell's character was like at first when they first showed her and she's singing and all that shit. You're like, dude, tone it the fuck back. Right. But then throughout the movie, it was like, okay, it wasn't bad. It's her character. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It, 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 well, the other thing is, is that um, well, what was his name? Dez, you said. Derbez. Derbez. That's his last name. Yeah. yeah so, Eugenio. Yeah. Oh, Eugenio. Yeah, Eugenio Derbez <coughs> played Maximo. That's right. Ma- so Maximo thinks he's this fucking Latin lover dude, right? <laughs> the fucking. And and he's always praying, not praying, but he is. Who <laughs> fucking on on boards? <laughs> yeah. Oh god damn it! But he's he's always preying on the uh, uh, on the elderly. Yeah, you know, and because that's what he wants. He wants to be just wants to he wants a to, sugar dad. Or he not, wants to he wants a, he wants a sugar mama. Yeah, and <laughs> and uh, so he gets one, but he thinks that he's a hit with all the women. Yeah, right. So when you know Kirsten Bell and he's he's uh, hitting on her and whatever else, and you know, for the yogurt he has no money and this and that and the other thing. And then when he finally gets kicked out of his sister's place and he, you know, ends up at her place, she, Kristen Bell's like, okay, you know, we'll make arrangements of you can pay me back later or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know, starts doing a strip dance and whatever else. She's like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, you're not into me? She's like, oh, hell no. Oh, no. You know, I, I have, my standards are way up here. Yeah. You know, Brad Pitt style, right? Yeah. I'm always looking for the guys that'll hurt me, but they're just pretty boys, right? Pretty yeah. fuck boys is pretty much what she's saying. <laughs> and he's like, oh. So you're down here with the cats where I felt sorry for you. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's so, so sad. You know what? I The only <clears throat> the thing that I wish that would have been done more with her character that I can think of is I wish I could have saw the cats attacking her because they never showed the cats. They just had that one cat growling when she was washing it. Yeah. But that was it. I kept waiting for a cat to just fucking attack her. Because she had all those scratches all yeah, over her. The band-aids. Shit. Yeah. Her eye. <laughs> but yeah, um, the the first, what was it, 10 minutes or so of the movie, um, the whole intro with the dad crashing <laughs> the fucking the, the gas tanker through the house. Kids, and then, your father's home. Yeah. And then and then <laughs> that whole sequence where he, he you know, he, for, well, first he's at the club. It's 10 years later. And he's trying to find his sugar mama, right? Mm-hmm. And then he finally, oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm getting you wet, right? Right. And then he Excuse cuts, me. Am I getting you wet? <laughs> and then cuts to 25 years later and he's in bed. And then cue the title, right? And then um, he checks to see if she's still breathing. And in that whole <laughs> sequence, the whole thing. I mean, and he's on the little Segway thing or whatever yeah, it is. The fucking Segway and going through this whole mansion, and and he has people swiping for him on his on his lap on his uh, tablet. And um, yeah, he's taking he's taking a bath, and instead of swiping, he's using his finger, yeah. right, not touching the screen or anything else like that. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's instructing the dude to 
to swipe for him. Yeah. And then he's like, go back. It, it reminded me of uh, like coming to, Mer- to America. It's like, wipers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I heard they're, they're making the sequel. Yeah, I know. No, don't, don't. It had a happy ending. It had a happy fucking ending. If Eddie Murphy can do a, a sequel to Coming to America and make it as good as the first one, I'm all in. But they won't. They, they won't. Well, we don't know that. We don't know. <sighs> I, I, you know what? You're, I think you're right. I think you're right. But we don't know. Yeah. I, I can totally see what they're going to do. They're going to bring in a new generation, right? And it's going to be like, oh, no. Wasn't that a John Hughes film? No, it was um the guy who directed Thriller. Um, I thought it was John Hughes. No, it's not John Hughes. It's the other guy. Um, Landis. John Landis. That's yeah, right. John Landis. They get John Landis. He's not dead yet, is he? No, he's still alive. He, he's the <laughs> one that... Jonathan Demi died. Yeah, Jonathan Landis is the one that's been writing about how he doesn't like how Hollywood run, operates anymore. Right. So if they can get John Landis back to do this, mm-hmm. you know it's going to be good. Because, you know, him and... Look... Him and Spielberg and even J.J. Abrams yeah. are getting on this this anti Hollywood train. Yeah, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. You have all these very powerful directors. Yeah, relatively, in some cases. But again, enough power. You have all these directors that are trying to walk away from the system that they helped build. Yeah, for the most part, the unintentionally, the, the unintentionally built. Yeah, yeah, this this blockbuster system where we get shitty movies with bad plot and acting. You know, but lots of effects. Yeah, lots of lots of distractions. Bright lights, bright lights. So, what? Oh, I just I thought you were gonna continue on. No, I was <laughs> taking a drag. All right, you vape there, buddy. I was vaping. Um, trying to quit smoking. All right, uh, everyone. Uh, you know, send that send that zen like love those vibes. No, send vape pens. <laughs> Or, or send vape pens uh, to uh, my email address. Uh, low nicotine content. No, just send a vape pen. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so, and yeah, this movie. Uh, were there any standout scenes to you? I, I mean, the standout scenes to me were like when he um he put on all that what was it like shoe polish to make himself look all darker. Yeah. And he jumps in the pool and and well, of course the whole intro with the Segway and all that or not the Segway but the the fucking hoverboard. Yeah. That that scene with the hoverboard where he's going in the mansion and then he get, ends up in the garage and yeah. he's riding around the uh, the uh, Ferrari. Yeah, he's like you missed a spot, <laughs> and then he goes and he parks it, <coughs> and then there's like fifty six of these things. Yeah, and he's he's looking at the wall and then one of course he has a gold one right, so he he puts that one back and he's looking at the wall and. <laughs> He picks another gold one. <laughs> he's got like multiple colors, blues yeah. and whatever else. But he picks, he's like, oh, that one right there. And goes back to doing his thing. I don't know how like those he doesn't things, walk anywhere. I don't know how those things are still legal, dude. Why? They just look like everyone that gets on is going to get fucked up. Well, you have to have balance. I, it's I, like skating. It just doesn't, like for someone, I have really good balance for someone my size, but... Something like that. I need something more apropos. You know what I mean? Like to to. It's my, like riding a bike, dude. You gotta look, you gotta practice. There's nothing. There's no difference. You know what I miss? I miss like what was it for? Like the last 15, 20 years, they've been doing razor scooters. I don't like fucking razor scooters with them little pussy ass wheels on them. I like the real scooters that had real wheels on them. Okay. With, that you inflate on them. Those were fun to fucking ride. Great. Why don't they make those anymore? I don't know. Why don't you fucking find out? And you Why tell don't you me fucking email? And bring them? it back to the show. No. Let me know. 
you, you can do the research on that. I got enough shit going on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, I the, you were asking standout standout, standout scenes. Yeah. Um, any moment that he was with Selma Hayek when they were being real brother sister yeah yeah the brother sister stuff that was actually pretty good especially like she liked this this dude that lived down the the neighbor yeah the neighbor and um that whole dialogue between him and, uh I know it's Eugenio um yeah, just Derbez or just call him Maximo that's what I was trying to say I couldn't remember his name <laughs> I'm so stupid today um not just today I'm just Extra stupid. We're stupid every day. Yes. <laughs> so Maximo's talking with Hayek, and as as they as they're discussing things, you know, she she tells him why she's afraid, this and that, and the other things. Like, look, just just do this, follow my lead. And and as much as he's he sucks at being a Latin lover <laughs> because he has everything wrong. When he actually when he actually puts forth the effort. You know, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he he can he can seduce, he can do this, and he can do that. But in his mind, he has to do it this way. Yeah, to attract the ladies, he has to be completely over the top. Yeah, and everything that he teaches Selma Hayek's kid, <laughs> Hugo, not <Yeah>. Hugo, <laughs> Ugo, yeah, is completely wrong. And then when he goes and talks to Raquel Welch, this is the other highlight scene. Um, he. Everything that he's doing is the exact opposite of what the kid is doing. Yeah. So he's being very charming and handsome and persuasive and all this other shit when the kid is just being this fucking douchebag. Yeah. Right? And then the kid's like, look, I'm really sorry. I, you know, they when they find out, they the kid goes to a party for one of the really, really rich kids. Yeah. And come to find out that they have a lot of things in common. Right. Yeah. So he starts talking to her as a person and not as a thing. Yeah. You know, not as something to be as a had. target. Yeah. A trophy. Yep. Right. And once that starts happening, they start getting along, you know, and that's the thing that Maximo wasn't teaching him, but was doing to other people, to other ladies. He was even though he's targeting them as trophies, he was t talking to them on their own level. Yeah. You know, well, in this case, you know, mountain climbing, fried chicken, and <laughs> <coughs> yeah, skydiving or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, thanks, Rob Lowe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hey, Rick. His yeah. name was Rick. I don't do mount. I don't climb mountains anymore. Climbs Everest and lost, I lost my arm. this arm. Yeah, did this and lost this arm. <laughs> and fried chicken killed my husband. Yeah, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, Rob uh, Rob Lowe was good in the movie too. You know, it was he was old, uh, he was uh, what was he charming. He's one of those actors that the older he gets, the, the more I like him. Yeah. You know? I, I like it. We're doing a police investigation here. I, I'm asking you to back off. Where he's, the part where he has to sleep in the uh, the granddaughter's um, dollhouse. <laughs> that, was the other, that was the other scene. I completely forgot about that. That <laughs> He let Maximo sleep in his granddaughter's house, and then yeah. he's standing there. I, he was pooping. Yeah. And then she sees him and she screams and then <laughs> he runs out and left a log at the toilet. Yeah, he goes, I'm sorry, I thought it was a real toilet. <laughs> and she's just looking at it, screaming. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, uh, this movie is, uh, it is worth seeing. Um, I don't know if anyone should, to support, uh, you know, movies like this, sure, go see it. I wouldn't have your expectations too high. 
Um, the the sexuality in it is uh it's a little uh maybe racy for the youngins. Ugh. It's just <laughs> it's a PG thirteen movie, dude. But it's a PG thirteen. Um, a little racy. I mean, we all went and saw Porky's. It's not as racy as Porky's. I was a little kid when Porky's mm, came fucking out. Fucking living in the fifties attitude. <laughs> 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 so yeah I, but don't you kids go do this now yeah don't nope. you kids go see this it's bad for you <laughs> it'll give you funny feelings in your nether regions five tickets for asses of five please no no <laughs> what do you mean that this movie has really naughty language all right um yeah so i give the movie a six because it, derbez makes this average movie better than average I gave it a seven. Okay. Um, f- same exact reasoning. Um, the 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 handful of scenes that we discussed, you know, Rob Lowe being in the movie and and doing what he does. Yeah. Uh, Rob Riggle's character, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, Rob Riggle's character is the one that is really, it's the glue that holds this whole damn comedy together. Because <laughs> from the first third of the movie to the very last part, right? Yeah. He. He is the guy that is is the uh what's the word I'm looking for here? He's the guy that will show up just randomly and make scenes better. Okay. Like when they broke in and stole the the GoPro camera. Yeah. You know, him and his brother or whoever it was. Rob and Rob, anyways. Yeah. And they're you think that they're just gonna punch him to death or whatever, right? Yeah. And and Maximo makes makes this claim of, you know, well, I'll, I'll do this for you and I'll do this for you. He's like, you make a really good argument. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It, and the fact that the other, you know, Rob Riggle's brother, whoever it is, I think it's his brother. Yeah, it's his brother in the movie. Yeah. Rob Riggle's brother doesn't get sarcasm. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It was really funny. Oh, now I get it. This is so much better. Dude. God damn. Was that you or me? That was my phone. That was my vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> my vibrator. Amy Gage, my Holy fish. shit, that fucking... I feel like I was about to get beamed up. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah. So, um, Rob Riggle, like I said, is, is the character that really is the glue that holds this movie together. He's that, that third arc in the story where Maximo has to... Maximo gets a... Um, uh, a wrap on his car, but it's for a strip club. Oh yeah, and it's on his sister's car, so it's on Selma Hayek's car. Yeah. So every time he shows up with a wrap on the car, it's his head, <laughs> and then the stripper's bodies on on the outside of the door. So every time he looks, and then of course the kid's sitting in the car, he's waving, and you just see his head with a little arm. Yep. You know, and <laughs> it's <laughs> stuck on top of his stripper's body. Yep. It's fucking hilarious. I know. No, it. Yeah, like I said, this movie's got its moments. It's worth seeing. I just don't know if you should cop up a full uh, twelve bucks a ticket to see it. Uh, yeah. So we uh, we both recommend seeing it, though. There you go. Was not a piece of shit. Agree with me, Mike. Sure. <laughs> All right. So we're done with how to be a Latin lover. Um, my flick of the week is the two thousand and eight horror film. Midnight Meat Train. It currently holds a 72% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which blows my fucking mind. Really? I I'm do- still waiting for your Rawhead Rex 
review. Fuck, I need to see that. I, I, didn't, I don't know if I watched it all the way through or not. You did. I'm going to see it again because I don't remember shit about it. But. God damn, I got to see that fucking turd again. You didn't like Rawhead Rex? Holy shit. No. Mm. All right, so. That's because you're awful. Yeah. You're an awful apparently. human being. So, uh. <laughs> I uh, yeah, so I, I saw me uh, Midnight Meat Train. I can't believe it came out nine years ago. I it was one of those movies. That's it. That, yeah, I thought it came out longer than that. No, nah, two thousand eight. Huh. It stars Bradley Cooper, Leslie Bibb, who uh, she was the reporter <laughs> that Iron Man fucks in the first Iron Man movie. Um, Brooke Shields and Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones plays the uh, the the bad guy that's on the Midnight Meat Train. Um, Hold on a second. What? I just got. I want to meet you type of thing uh-huh. from a dude on Plenty of Fish. Now, my profile is not accessible to dudes on Plenty of Fish. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> That's funny. That guy went above and beyond to get a hold of your ass. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He didn't say anything. He's like, some dude wants to meet you. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah. Hey, sexy. Hi there, Mikey. You have a nice dog. Is that a real dog? Or just a lap dog? Come feel my spiky. Touch my beard. <laughs> so, uh, Midnight Meat Train is a movie about Bradley Cooper's character where he is a uh, photographer. And he's trying to make it big in the artisan world. Artisan. <laughs> art, and the art world through friends and stuff like that. He um he gets hooked up with Brooke Shields' character who runs an art gallery, and she has very high demands for for whatever Arthur is. Mm-hmm. Well, she likes his work, but his work isn't enough. She she pretty much tells him he needs to to go to the extreme. He needs to suffer. He needs to go to the extremes and show what real New York is, and because that's where they're at in New York City. Right. So he starts going late at night into the subway system and following like hoodlums and stuff as they're harassing people and shit like that. Well, um, all of a sudden he comes across the midnight meat train and, um, he discovers that, um, there is a guy on there who is who murdering people and then, you know, just pretty much cutting them into pieces on this train. I make the murder sandwich out of you. And the police don't believe him, which, at first, you're like, well, this is fucking bullshit. At least they try to look into it or something, right? But then by the end of the movie, it makes sense because everything, all questions are answered by the end of the film. Why the fuck do I always spell everything with an E at the end? Because uh, you're German? I'm stupid. Or French? I don't fucking know. So, um, Trainee. So what pretty much happens is uh, Bradley Cooper starts following Vinnie Jones's character. Leslie Bibb was in... Um that one TV show we She liked. was also in the uh, the uh, <clears throat> the fucking pilot for the league. Um, That's right. That's what I was trying to say. She wasn't in the pilot. She was in a couple of episodes. Well, yeah, so. she showed up later, but I mean, she was definitely in the pilot. And then she put a finger in uh, in in Mark's ass. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, I guess. <laughs> if you if you say yes. Uh, so yeah, so Bradley Cooper's character starts becoming obsessed with. Following the the midnight meat train guy, Vinnie Jones's character, and uh, what eventually ends up happening is it has that that fucking I don't want to give it away because you should see it. if you're a horror movie fan you should see it. It's free on Netflix, so go ahead and fucking see it. But 
I fucking hated the ending. And and the, the, there's all these the gore in it goes so over the top that it's after a while it starts to feel like you're watching an Eli Roth film. Right. And it just gets to that point where I don't care how good the how good the makeup and the blood and all those effects look when it's just constant fighting and attacking and then dying and bleeding and chunking it doesn't it, it, i need more i need more substance than just this fucking blood it, and that's what ends up happening with this movie is I, I i lost interest while i'm watching i got bored while i was fucking watching it and then you get to the ending and the ending is that ending where this wouldn't really happen in real life but because it's a movie it goes to this extreme where you're just like, what the fuck? And you keep, I think I said, what the fuck, like 15 times before the movie ended. This is based on a short story, and the short story does. By Clive Barker. Right. Yeah, I was going to mention that, but you jumped all over. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, because you like Clive Barker anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step no, on that's here. Fine. Um, basically, uh, fucking art world guy. Midnight Meat Train is uh, this guy is an office worker named Leon Kaufman who falls asleep one late night on a New York City subway train. And when he wakes up, he discovers that a slaughterhouse scene is going on in the next train and passes out. He regains consciousness when the train has continued beyond the end of the line. Kaufman encounters a man named Mahogany who has killed and butchered several people and hung up their bodies on the train. Mahogany remarks that he will be forced to kill Kaufman to, kill, to guard his secrets. Uh, they fight and Mahogany... Or I'm sorry, and Kaufman kills, um, yeah, uh, uh, the butcher Mahogany in self-defense. The train conductor, nonplussed that Mahogany's not not happy with it, brings the train to its destination, a secret station. The doors open, and strange malformed humanoid creatures board the train and eat the dead passengers. They tell Kaufman that Mahogany was getting old and could not do the job any longer, and that now Kaufman must serve them. It is revealed that the creatures have also <laughs> been the secret rulers of the New York of New York City for centuries. They show Coffin being uh, an immense being further into the catacombs and pull out his tongue to ensure his silence. Coffin finds he is now the new butcher and part of and part of organization and infrastructure devoted to serving the city fathers and bringing them meat. That was the whole story. Yeah. If and you read the story, it's it's much worse. Yeah, I um, it, but this movie is. Uh, in Vinnie my Jones. my opinion, it's a waste of time. Um, it's a waste of time to see the the acting skills of Bradley Cooper because um, it's 2008. It's not, and it it's just nothing. There, this movie is just. Huh, I, I I I don't ever want to see it again. I don't want. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, and it, it's a shame because it could have been more interesting, but it just was too gory, just too much. That stupid fucking ending. All right. So anyway, I do not recommend seeing Midnight Meat Train, but give it a shot if you really like gore. All right. Oh, and you also get to see Ted Raimi get 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 butchered in it. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, also, you do get to see one scene where Vinnie Jones fights uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson, um, who's dressed up like a guardian angel in it. God bless his soul. Yes. God rest or whoever. All right. So there's my flick of the week. Okay. I was reading the uh, Rawhead Rex recap. Yeah, the um, yeah that 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 came from the the Midnight Meat Train was a uh, short story from the 1984 book, Books of Blood. Books Books of Blood from Clive Barker, who you told me that Clive Barker is, like if you Stephen King <laughs> times ten. Yeah, way gorier. Yeah, so the movie Rawhead Rex is the is the one that 
you know, there's several of them really, but uh, Clive Barker has disowned this movie because uh, he was not happy. Huh. That breaks my goddamn heart. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so I believe that you were going to talk about season three of the FX show. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I won't. I segue for you, man. You just you just left me hanging, dangling. Maybe I'll just uh, not even talk about it. Season three. Dude, Noah Hawley is, in my opinion, one of the best fucking writers and showrunners on the planet. Mm-hmm. He he did the first two seasons based off of the Coen Brothers Fargo. Yeah, and they gave him they they gave him their blessing, and they said, "This guy gets it. This mm-hmm. guy knows better than we do about the whole thing, and he is amazing. Watch out for this dude." Now. <clears throat> I gotta look him up because I gotta find out what else he's done. <laughs> but and also uh, Legion. Yeah, and then he did Legion. He's done Bones, The Unusuals, and My Generation. Now I'm not a big fan of Bones, but 2005 through 2008 seasons weren't actually too too bad. No, that's when the show was good. Um, he's published five novels: A Conspiracy of Tall Men, Other People's Weddings, The Punch, The Good Father, and Before the Fall. Uh, he was creator. An executive producer of The Unusuals. I don't never saw it, so no. I couldn't tell what the fuck that is. Um, wrote the original screenplay for the film The Alibi. Wasn't that with uh, the uh, the the Alba? Jessica Alba? I don't know. I've never Steve Coogan, Rebecca Romaine, James Marsden. I guess not. Anyways. I don't see him. He hasn't done much in terms of of films. You know, he's got five books and he's worked on a handful of series. So, however, he got this good at whatever he has been doing prior. Yeah, is amazing. Um, wow, he worked at law firms and as a paralegal. <laughs> Fucking Christ, dude. Um, Fargo is amazing. It is so goddamn good that every time that the show comes on, an hour goes by just like that, and you're you're sitting there with your arms out like, what the hell? Yeah, that's it. Fuck you, Noah Holly. Oh, I got. Uh, I'm not gonna <clears throat> give anything away from the third episode, but I watched it today this morning. Then why are you talking and about it? Every five fucking minutes, it kept going to a commercial. I'm just like, what the fuck? It, it started to piss me off because. It, did the, you watch it on FX or did you watch it on Hulu? Oh, I, um, no, it it's usually doesn't show up on Hulu early um, after right after the episode's over uh, that I'm aware of, but uh, I had it on my DVR, so. <laughs> yeah, I try to ignore the commercials, but this season you have Ewan McGregor playing twin brothers, okay? One is, one is, a, one is kind of balding, they're, and they're not really twins in this. I mean, they look similar, but yeah. they're not exactly the same. They're not. Well, my, my impression was that the rich one maybe had like you know work done. Nope, they're just a bit different. So one's balding, one's not. Yeah. And um, they're Stu- the Stu- Stussy brothers. <laughs> <coughs> and the rich one owns parking lots all across far all across Minnesota, which harkens back to the original film. Right. <coughs> and he gets involved. He hit during the during the recession. He had to borrow some money. So he borrowed like a million dollars to keep the company afloat, 
and they were solvent again, and they have plenty of money, so they're going to pay. They're going to pay this loan back. So they meet the loan officer, who turns out to be he's a gangster, and he's like, "No, no, no. That's we didn't give you a loan. We invested in your company. Yeah. So you keep that money and do whatever you want with it. And it, it's slowly starting to escalate. Yeah. You know. So we've had the we <laughs> he's he's moved in some of his guys. He's parked a truck at one of the locations of that's rarely used. You know, this this, this these bad guys, if you want to call them that, mm. are setting this company up to be dissolved, basically. They're, yeah. They're going to steal. They're basically just going to run this company on the ground. But the problem is, is that <laughs> Ewan McGregor, is, who play has... One of the Stussy brothers is a, uh, a, not a corrections officer. I can't remember the name of it, but he he's an ex-cop. He's a PO. Yeah, thank you. He's a pro officer. And his girlfriend happens to be one of his parolees. Yeah. Played by... Um, she's got the three names. Mary Elizabeth. Winstead, yeah. Yeah. And uh, who who played Bruce Willis's daughter in, one of the, in the Die Hard movies. Yeah, in part four and Live Free. And... <laughs> This is so shit. So many good things about this show. I don't, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, anyways, um, so the parole officer brother Stussy drives this piece of shit '78 Corvette, right? Yeah. So, and he's always looking for the bigger, better deal. He's always looking for the big score, right? And he's jealous of his brother who has made it big. However, he made it big. No one knows. Mm-hmm. Th- that's that part hasn't been told yet. At least, I, I mean, I've only watched. A couple of episodes. There's so only been three you. so far, so yeah. The and third one does not touch on that at all. It's all in L.A. Right. Oh, okay. So it's all away from. Yeah, it's all Carrie Coon's character going to L.A. to to investigate the um her dad, her her, her, her stepdad, her stepfather. Yeah. Right. And that's the other part. Now, P.O. P.O. brother, P.O. Sh- piece of shit brother. Yeah. Um, hires this fucking junkie to steal a stamp from his brother. Yeah. The junkie gets the address wrong and ends up killing another guy named Stussy who happens to live at the same address but on a different road. Yeah. Eden Valley Road instead of Eden Prairie. It's like fate. Yeah. So that's how all of these these TV shows start out. Odd fate. Yeah. Just an odd happenstance, right? Yeah. So (coughs) junkie dude gets killed by getting an air conditioner thrown at his head, dropped on his head, and I was sitting, I was sitting there watching, and the as the camera has panned back and it's across the street from where all this action is, and you see the fucking, you, you see the air conditioner tumble yeah. out of the window, or actually the camera's tumbling with the air conditioner out of the window, uh-huh. and then right before it hits, it's the across the street, and then you see splat you you see the guy just go kunk, right yeah. you know and i went oh my god you know because it looked like a cartoon <laughs> yeah it did and that ended that that episode <sighs> sorry my for some reason i need to get this fixed but my kids is fucking school loves to call at six o'clock like every night and they leave a message and it's I have three kids, so I get three fucking messages. It, it just—it's annoying as shit. It's the school. And, There's nothing you can do about it. And I, well, I can get them. I can actually call them, and tell them to to cancel it. But problem is, I never think about it until they're fucking bugging me, and then a new day. Yeah, and then you forget about tomorrow. Yeah. So, 
he he so Noah Hawley has has got this whole thing set up and the old guy, the old Stussy guy that he killed, his stepdaughter is the chief of police. Yeah. Or Carrie, sheriff or whatever you want Yeah, Carrie Coon. And she finds out that he has a lockbox with several novels in it. And you don't really know what the novels are about until the next episode. Yeah. You're kind of left guessing, you know, did he write those novels or... You know, is it is there something about those novels that he's keeping? You know, are they you know rare signatures? Blah blah blah. Come to find out that he's the author of these novels. Yeah. Well, nobody knows anything about his past. He he had changed his name and moved to Minnesota, where he married Carrie Coons' mom. Yeah. And that was it. So now she has to invest. Now she's going into this whole investigation, but she's got another problem coming coming up, which is. They're merging departments. The sheriff's department is located in a public library. Her, <laughs> her department is located in a public li- library. Yeah. And they're merging police departments. So the the new chief of police is not really happy with her. Yeah, Shea Wiggum. Yeah. And again, this fucking series, all three series are all great. Yeah, this show is so good that it makes me want to not watch the whole season. Just let them all record. And then I'd blow through at least half of them at a time, half a season at a time, and then, and then another, you know, just I, I just marathon the fuck out of it because I, I hate this week on week off shit because these episodes fly by so quickly. Yeah, uh, and I still haven't watched American Gods yet, so. Oh, uh, I I haven't heard anything bad about it yet. I haven't either, but is anything? There's just way too many TV shows. I know that's that's why I, that's still why I have not started Supernatural, man. <laughs> I still got two episodes of that I got to catch up on. Yeah, see. So, yeah, Fargo is just amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor. Oh, and David Thewlis, man, as uh, as Varga, the guy that's, you know, the, the toughie. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got this- With his ro- fucking teeth? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I just uh, want to punch him in the mouth uh, every time he talks. Yeah. He's always correcting people. Yeah. You know? Like grammar. Yeah. Concise. It's like he he's so confident in what he's doing that no matter what you say to him, this is going to happen the way he said it's going to happen. He has a he has a master plan, and no matter what, there's nothing that you can do that will affect him. Yeah, yeah. It, the funny part too, if you if you notice, uh, the rich Ian McGregor character and um and his buddy, mm-hmm. his buddy, I don't know the actor's name, but he was the guy that played the uh, the guy that could see different um, times uh-huh. or different outcomes in Men in Black Three. Okay, that guy. Um, Oh man! Oh okay. He was uh, no, that's not. Is that him. Gordon Bogdan? No, that that guy works for Varga. Um, David Thulin. David Thulis is, um, okay. It's uh, Michael Stolbarg. He plays uh, Cy. Oh, well, I don't see it. Michael Stolbarg. That's weird. That long ass list. He's not even. <laughs> yeah. Don't call me Varga. Call me VM. Yeah. And that whole thing is going to come to a fucking crashing halt by, like, the eighth or ninth episode. I yeah. don't know how many episodes. I think there's ten. Yeah, there's only ten. Yeah. <clears throat> by the eighth or ninth episode, because Carrie Coons is looking into this, and it all connects. Yeah. You know? It's all connected. connected. You know, it is going to, I mean, that's the point of it all. It's just like this freak occurrence, you know, just the, what are the odds kind of thing, you know, but it's all connected in one way or another. Right. And yeah, it just, 
bravo, man. It's a, a, every season keeps me going. I, it, and it's always different. Yep. And then every episode starts off with this is a true story. But if you watch if you watch those credits as they're rolling by, yeah. it goes from this is a true story to this is a story. Yeah. Is a story. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes a story. And that's it. So it keeps cutting away of those little things, which is this is not a true story, because even though I say it's a, this, I, even though it's depicted as this is a true story, mm-hmm. the next thing it says is this is a story. Hey, did they a ever, story? I don't, I don't recall or not, but did they ever touch mm-hmm. on the uh, the? Uh, Will you do something about that? God damn it! I always think it's fucking done. Just and then put it's it on fu- your leg. Um, what? Did they ever? Um, Explain the the whole UFO thing from season two. Uh, yes, they did, but I can't remember how. Fuck, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. All right, whatever. Um, um the 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 whole backstory to the UFO thing is that actually happened. That UFO thing, mm-hmm. they just use that as back backdrop. Yeah, okay. as backdrop because if you actually had read into any of what was going on from season two. With the UFO thing, yeah, they like I said, that's just a it's it's not a MacGuffin, it's just a distraction. Okay, all right, well, bravo, man, <laughs> Peggy Blumquist. So yeah, this this is Fargo has won thirty two of its one hundred thirty three award nominations, and it should have won one hundred thirty four out of one hundred thirty three. This show is so good; it's better than The Sopranos. It's better than it's better than I think it's better than Game of Thrones. That's a bold statement, <laughs> dude. It is so fucking good. I will. I will not. It's I, got I an average yeah. score of ninety six. I no. I can't dispute that this is a good show. This is a, a very good show. It is a top notch show. Yeah, and that's season season two has a ninety six. Season one has a ninety seven. Season three has a ninety seven. Now I again, I'm not. I'm I'm not big on fucking Rotten Tomatoes and their bullshit because I think that the way that they show this you know certified fresh or whatever i don't buy it because they're what they're trying to do is basically tell everyone that this is a nine out of a ten yeah this is a this tv show is a nine out of a ten fargo the movie is a nine out of a ten it is almost the perfect movie almost but how many how many more seasons can we get out of this i don't know i i'm wondering though if if since this uh, this season is set in 2010, if there's any characters that are going to that were in the season one because season one was set in 2014, I believe. Right. I wonder if there's going to be any characters that were in tw- in the you know season one that are going to show up in uh, in there. I don't know. So now I understand some of the some of the uh, promos that they were showing, like when she's driving on the ice and you see that thing fall out of the either the sky or from the back of a truck, uh, it's an air conditioner. Yeah. So so <laughs> every promo that they showed was promo for for episode one, yeah. promo for episode two, promo for episode three, all these little trailers and shit like that. And it's fucking, it, it's genius. It's genius marketing. Yeah. Um, you'll, um, I think you'll like the third episode. I hope so. They even do a little, a little thing about the books that I don't want to go into detail about, but... Um, I, yeah, you'll like it. So, and it's definitely way the episode is 
it takes you away from the familiar elements of, of the way the season's going where they're all in Minnesota. It's completely different when they're in L.A. Um, so, all right. There right. you go. Check out Fargo. There's no reason why you shouldn't watch it. If you want to see what good writing is, you want to see uh-huh. good acting and just, I mean, everything. I mean, it's just, it's just an excellent show. Yeah. It's compelling. I mean, even you even said it yourself during season two, scenes where there's nothing happening. Nothing. And it's still compelling. Yeah. You know, it, it, what else can you, what, what else could you want? The bathtub scene between Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh-huh. is a prime example of superior writing. They are sitting in a bathtub together after winning or after placing. They didn't win. They placed. Yeah. In this in this card game tournament. They're they're playing canasta. <laughs> of all things. Yeah. And they're they're ecstatic. Oh, this is our ticket out of here and blah, 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 blah. And then fucking junkie shows up, right? And he's like, oh, I did this and the, you know, your brother <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And and McGregor gets out. And he's completely naked, yeah. You know, and he's grabbing a towel and this and that, and and as a, as a junkie is sitting there, he starts to light up a cigarette, and but before he lights up a cigarette, he's falling asleep. Yeah. And like, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead goes, "Is he falling asleep on my toilet?" You know. Yeah. It, 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 the whole the the whole interaction between all three of those. Then he starts lighting up a cigarette. You're like, you can't smoke that in here. You know, no smoking. Yeah. And McGregor's trying to knock it out of his hand, you know, and then the gun comes out and everything else. Yeah. And then she stands up completely naked, and he's just looking at her, and basically he's like, you're a fucking temptress. I'm going to shoot you, too. <laughs> <laughs> but that whole scene, man, that whole scene between the three of them is atypical of this entire series, not just this season, first season and second season, where you have these little vignettes these little in individual stories within a story yeah that work out so well and <clears throat> it's it's disgusting it's disgusting it's how so good how so good so i can't even talk man <laughs> it's like damn you it's like how could you ever be that good right right all right it's uh what do you call it humbling yeah it all I can think of is, man, I, I wish I could write that good. I wish I could put something together that's so good that it just compels people to go, holy shit. Oh, I mean, shit. Look at the, the production the production design and the and the writing for, for Legion. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you, you take a... That's a then that's a, that's a show that you have to get used to. Yeah. It's... Look, but out it of the... Eight, in the psychosis. Out of the eight episodes, I only did... I, episode two was the only one I didn't like. All the other episodes I thought were excellent, and they kept me uh, watching. I was—I mean, I was like, "Fuck, dude!" Was, every time I come by my DVR, I was like, "Oh shit, here it is! Boom, let's watch it now." Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, watch Legion, <laughs> watch uh, Fargo, and uh, right. All right. So, uh, lastly, I—you know—I I, news lately has just been the same old shit, man. I nothing really to talk about. I, uh, but the trailer for uh, for the Dark Tower came up. Mm-hmm. And I know that you you said it before the trailer even came out. I think that this is not going to be the like the start of this of you know. Yeah, this is not the book series. Yeah, this is this the, is called a companion piece. Yeah, well, no, this is a continuation story. This is the next the next chapter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Dark Tower Book Seven, this is the next one. 
right. Or it could be the first one. You don't know. But it's the uh, you're compelled to live your life in a repeating loop <laughs> until you start to do s- things differently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got Idris Elba squaring off against uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> we'll just see where that leads. Mm-hmm. All right. What did you think of the trailer, man? Because you read the books. Again, the movie has nothing to do with the books. Stop it. It doesn't mean anything. That's not what I mean by it. The way it looks, does it uh, trigger, It doesn't give anything away. Does it trigger anything for you mm-hmm. of being someone who's read the novels? Nope. I like that. I like the trailer, but it didn't... There, There is nothing in the trailer that... Um, really gave me any premonition that this was um, taken from the books, which is hard to say because there are like the drawing of the three. Uh-huh. Like when when Jake is standing at that portal, right? And the first words that came out of my mouth were, well, that's from the drawing of the three. Okay. You know, and I think that's from the house that tried to eat him, that tried to eat him, that tries <laughs> to eat him. Uh-huh. Things like that. And you have Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba, but I don't remember in the in the book where the gunslinger meets up with the Randall Flag. Oh, Randall Flag's from the stand, isn't it? Yes. Huh? Fucking Christ, man! I hate this shit. That's Jake. They don't show the little the little thing that he. Uh, yeah, see, he's having visions, and I don't remember that in the book either. The gunslinger, you know? Yeah. The man in black crossed the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Or the gunslinger. See, that's that reminds me of the drawing of the three where the house tried to eat him. That's near the end of the... I'm sorry, that's near the middle of the book. Where they meet at this way station. And that's the tower. See? That's Randall Flagg. Way station. Those are the ley lines from the Dark Tower from the original, from the book. Uh-huh. The ley lines point in all directions. And each one of them connects to the Dark Tower in some, some level. Okay. <coughs> so... So they're, they're in New York. Like how Dennis Haysbert's in there. I'm excited. I want this I want this to be really good, but this is not this is just book 1. No. And there are you know, hopefully there're going to be seven films like the Harry Potter series. Okay. You know. I hate Mashable. Die Mashable. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, all right, so that's all we got for this week. Uh, unless there's something else you wanted to talk about. No, I, I, I think that the Dark Tower is going to be really good. I just hope it's. I look. If you can make the Harry Potter movies like I see the visions in my head. Yeah. You can do that with the Dark Tower. Mm. And I'm really hoping that now I, I, you know, apart from the fact that in the book, again, Roland is white and Idris Elba not being white, um, that big, that's a big difference. So they are going to be different than the books. Yeah. And th- that's the way I want it to be also because in in the entire series at the end, and Stephen King has even said this, is when he walks through that door and he's right back in the same place as he was standing at the desert from book one and he's following the man in black, it's a whole different story. It, it's, it's that, like I said before. It's like Stephen King's never-ending story. Yeah, but no. Again, you're destined to repeat yourself. Like The, the Dark Tower has different levels, okay? In order to get to the next level... You have to continually change things in your life. And that's what this thing, that's what this is all about. You are going to, you are destined to re, you are destined to relive all these events in your life over and over until you change something. And then you can go up to the next level, as it were. Uh-huh. You can go to level two or level 20 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what, he, that's what that's all about. So. It's going to be interesting. I mean, because in the book, he goes through all this pop culture stuff. Books, music, Star Wars. Brings out Star Wars real big time. And there's a, there's a lightsaber fight <laughs> in the book for like a, a, a quick minute or so. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So uh, when does the, the Dark Tower come out? Uh, fuck if I know. It's February 17th. Oh, next year? No. I don't know. <laughs> It was supposed to come out February 17th this year. Man, you don't know shit. It was supposed to come out February 17th, August 4th. All right, there we you go. You don't know shit. <laughs> All right, so next on uh, next time on a couple of Average Joe's <laughs> and Escape Movie Reviews, <laughs> uh, we will be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, we'll let you know how, that, uh, that movie, how much ass that movie kicks, and we'll also let you know about uh, all the spoilers that are in it, especially all that stuff after the credits. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we're gonna give it all away, fuckers. Yeah, goddamn right. All right, so for Cinescape movie reviews, I am Joe Spiegel, Mike Sutherland. All right. Oh, can, can, I did want to bring something. Oh, up. you fucking cock! What? So while while Daisy Ridley was doing some press Kenobi. for, oh, thanks. I saw. <laughs> Why don't you just continue with it? Never mind. Because <laughs> no, I, I don't know where she was. I just, I just saw the name. It was Star Wars Celebrations. Fandango had it. Uh-huh. And they put her... They had a name plaque. Now, I don't know if it's fake or not. Yeah. But it shows Ray Kenobi. So we'll see what happens. I saw the thing where it showed... It showed that, and then it showed... It showed the picture, and then it showed it that the the name tag highlighted, and it showed a picture of Chris Pratt making that stupid oh, yeah. happy face, yeah. like oh. <gasps> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I feel like whatever, man. I, fuck it, I I don't know, I don't I don't know, but we'll we'll find out, won't we? Sure.
All right. So, once again, for Cinescape Movie Reviews, I am Joe Spiegel. Mike's out on. All right. Catch y'all on the flip side. All right. Bye. Bye. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on tweet, <laughs> Twitter. You can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at. What about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We Sp- prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> share, uh, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. <laughs> Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> this is the end. It's the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Argo, fuck yourself.